Hey, uh, happy Mother's Day, moms. Uh, today, we are going to read today out of Psalms 139. Psalms 139. I'm just going to read the whole chapter to you. Would you all do me a favor, though, just uh, to honor God's word? Would you stand to your feet as I read this chapter to you? It's a whole chapter, so this is going to be wonderful. Um, it's actually the only thing I have today. I'm just going to read this, and we're going to go home. Uh, uh, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, and you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is just too wonderful for me, too great for me to just understand. Amen. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning and if I dwell on the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to, uh, and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day, and darkness and light are the same to you. You made all my delicate and inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully and complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in other seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life is recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. I, they cannot be numbered. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. O oh God, if, if only you would destroy the wicked. and Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? I hate them with a total hatred for your enemies are my enemies. Listen to this. And search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and put my anxious, uh, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray. God, you want to talk. Jesus, would you help? Amen. You can have a seat. Wow. I get so excited. Man, if there's a cool psalm, this is it. This is one of those psalms that um, everyone just reads and goes, yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. I agree with that one. And, uh, but the hard thing is to get to a point in our life where this is not something else that someone else is saying, but we're saying it comes out of, the Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so we want to get to the point in our life where we can actually say from experience, God, how wonderful are your thoughts towards me? I want you to know that God does have wonderful thoughts for you. Some of us today, that's a hard truth to understand that his thoughts 
towards you are greater than the number of sands on the seashore. That's a tongue twister. I have a hard time saying it. Uh, But you need to know that God, he does think good thoughts towards you. And the psalmist David here, who is a man after God's own heart, a great conquering warrior, is able to stand up and say, man, God is a, a loving God who cares about us, and we just simply can't get away from his love. As I'm reading this, I'm realizing that um, this is one area of David's life. Let me come back to that here in a second. The book of Psalms is broken into five books, okay? And Psalms 139 comes out of uh, the, the fifth book of Psalms, and uh, it's known as the, 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 the book of praise out of all five of them. Now, he praises in all of these books, but these are poems that were written, poems that became songs, and they weren't necessarily set in chronological order. So what they did is they, they took the style of the poem and put them in chronological order, and this was the, the, the book of praise, but it's actually about deliverance. And so what you'll find is the last verse in all of these chapters is about Christ's deliverance. It's the way the poem was written. And this is a, is a song that David would sing. And I think it's really awesome as David is really, uh, this is one of the first books in the Bible that was intended for us to learn how to pray. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised in the church. So this is a great place for me to start that I was able to learn how to hear how to talk to God. And so it actually became far easier for me than for others because I'm reading this and I see David's highs and lows, highs and lows. And what I've learned is in that David's life, he turned all of them into a song. And so as we're reading this, we're hearing all of these attributes of God in this book here about how he can never get away from God and how God is with him everywhere he goes and how God knows all of his thoughts. And he's, he's really just worshiping and celebrating God like, yeah, this is good. How wonderful your thoughts are towards me. And knowing that it's Mother's Day, I thought this was a cool one because of how we were made, God made us even before we were, we were moms, we were his. And I just thought, man, that's really, really, really special. But thanks, Mom. I know that uh, I'll always be your baby, you know? <laughs> Love you, even though I'm getting older now. And cool. Anyways, uh, so this is a season of David's life where if you didn't know, you would think that this is the way David thought all the time. But I want you to know that you got to be careful amongst the church, even amongst life, especially on Facebook, that you don't see the high point of someone's life and think that they lived on that mountain their whole life. Because David did not. What we're hearing today is the fullness of his understanding of his theology of who Christ is. He is declaring God's goodness, declaring God's goodness, declaring God's goodness, And if we're not careful, we think, well, shouldn't we always be doing that? Yes. But there are other seasons of our life that the same dude that wrote this song that danced around the table would write other songs that look and sound completely contradicting to this set of passage. Let me take you real quick to Psalm 22. If you have your Bibles, you may want to check this out. I'm going to come back to 139. But you may have heard this before. Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer me. Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Man, well, that's not what David said a minute ago. You know what I mean? It was like, where is this theology at right now? And I just want you to know it's okay to feel 
what you feel. Like you've got to be able to get these things out. And some of us get confused when we find ourselves in a moment or in a situation where it doesn't feel like God is super close to me right now. Let me, let me take you just a little further down. See, it's like almost like all of these things he was saying in the last chapter. He said, God, everywhere that I go, you're there. But here he's saying, God, it, it seems like you're nowhere to be found. Let me take another verse. He says, but I am a worm, not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. And everyone who sees me mocks me and they sneer and shake their heads saying, you know, like he's saying like everyone that looks at me thinks I'm, I'm a dog with fleas. I'm, I, God, like what have you done with my life? I thought I was supposed to be great. But in the last chapter I just read, he's, he's over here praising and he's saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm, I'm perfect, God. You, you made me. You knit me together. Your craftsmanship is like no one else. And in this season of life, he's like, oh, God, look at me. I'm a hot mess, and I'm a laughing stock to everyone. You ever felt like everyone knows who you really are? And you just hate yourself, like you, you hate where you are, and you hate the season of life? I want you to understand something, church. It's important in every season of life that you're honest with where you are and who God is to you in that moment. Why? Why am I saying this is David, a man after God's own heart. He's not just writing a poem, y'all. He's writing a song. He's writing a song that he's going to sing in the church. He wants people to understand there are moments and seasons that you have to understand that it's not going to feel like God is right here. He'd go on to say, my life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. Strength, my strength is dried up and becomes sun-baked clay. My tongue, it sticks to the roof of my mouth. And you've, like, like, God, where's your power now? Well, I thought that this is a really unique chapter, actually, because many of you may not know this, but if you've been a Christian for some time, or maybe you know a little bit of theology, you'll know that this chapter, the whole chapter, is actually a prophetic chapter in that the things that David is penning is actually the same things that Jesus prayed while being crucified. Let me take you there. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Remember that? Why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, sak, thak, bak, jabak. I can't say it the same way. Uh, and then right after Jesus prayed that, the scripture says that they divided his garments among them. We see that in verse 18. They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. What if in the very season that your life feels broken and out of place, like God is away from you, is actually designed for you to look and act most like Christ? What if the things that you're holding inside was designed to come out in song form or in small group form or be shared with the body of Christ so that you can actually process all of that and find deliverance? Yes. But I think what happens is we think that these emotions and these feelings that we're having is so scary that we need to keep them all in. Friends, I, I've learned... Um, that what's happening in Psalm 139 is so important as I'm reading this passage. I'm actually seeing all 
of the attributes of God. I don't know if, if you're familiar, but um, I, I, this came to me this week as I'm reading, reading this, and I'm rereading this, and I'm rereading this. Uh, God is is om, omnipotent. He's all-knowing. And in verses 1 through 4, we see the theology of David knowing who God is. Now remember, this is a book of deliverance. So we're going to find the deliverance at the end of the chapter after he's confessing and celebrating what he knows to be true. Listen to what he says. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit up and uh, I sit down and I stand up and you know my thoughts even when they're far away. You see me when I travel, when I'm at home and I rest. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. I want you to know. My, my, my beautiful bride says, says this all the time. And every time she, she says it, it, I remember the first time I heard it, we were in a connect group and it was like, man, that's, that's powerful. And then like, I heard her say it again and I was like, man, that's powerful. And like six months later, she said it again. And I realized like, this is deep in her theology and the things that she said is, is, is changing me. And she always says that there's nothing that, that you're feeling that God's a, it, like scares him. God's big enough to shoulder what you're afraid of and how you're feeling and what's going on doesn't scare him but what happens is is that if you don't get it out it'll scare you it'll scare you to the point where you'll actually run from him instead of running to him I, i think about it like this like john the baptist the bible says was the greatest man jesus said in matthew chapter 11 was the greatest man that ever was ever born of a woman Sorry, mom, <laughs> not me, you know, <laughs> it was John. And, uh, and so, but John the Baptist, who lived his whole life for Christ, is in prison and he's about to die. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, are you really God or should we expect someone else? In, in moments of your life, you gotta be able to express and get out what's inside of you. I know I said it last week about the uh, Mr. Rogers thing. But I, I'm so fascinated by this movie. I, some of you guys may hate it, but it's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And it was just that Miss Rogers had this way of, of, of telling something that's so easy to look at a little kid and say, what's bothering you? But somehow grown adults don't know how to say what's on the inside. And David, the reason why he's a man after God's own heart is because he found freedom. Because when things are terrible, man, do it, would just sing it. He got naked and danced around and he's singing like, oh God, where are you? Well, I know where God's at. He's hiding because he's naked. You know what I mean? Like, David, put some clothes on already. Some of you guys don't understand what I'm talking about. It's, David's a weird dude. Listen to this. Uh, so we know that God is all knowing and I want you to know that the thoughts that you have and the fears that you have about why God, would you leave me like this? Like, why would you, did you abandon me? It, like, are you going to let this situation really just roll out? I want you to know that God understands that concern. I have to keep going. And, and then God's omnipresent, we, we, we find here in Psalms 22, he was struggling with it. But here, we, we, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. I could never escape your spirit. I can't get away from your presence if I go up to heaven, if I go down to hell, it doesn't matter. I can't get away from you. It's almost, I might always joke about this, but it's, Jesus is kind of the creepiest guy in the world. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, like he's, you just can't get away from him. He's going to follow you everywhere because he loves you. I always think about the song that I heard years ago by Jason Upton. And he said, run, baby, run. Uh, you're going to end up running right back into me. 
And there's some of us, I, I think about some of us, that we love Jesus with all of our heart, but the things that have happened have bothered us and we don't know how to deal with it. And it's like we're hiding from God, even at church or in our life. It's like, I'm going to stop going to church and I'm going to get away from God. But you don't. If you're a server, someone's going to show up at your table and they're going to tell you about Jesus. And someone's at Walmart, they're going to run into you and they're going to have, you're going to see t-shirts everywhere and billboards everywhere and shows you don't like. And it's like God is coming for you at every angle. And I always think about us hiding from God, like playing hide and go seek with, uh, with my kids. You know, kids are the worst at hide and seek. It's like, you know, have you ever seen this? They're hiding behind a lampshade, you know, like my daughter, Mia, uh, she's going to run the camera in the next service. Uh, she's the worst at it actually. And she's so bad. She doesn't even really try. Like she's hiding, but she would just be giggling and laughing out loud because she just wanted to be found. But I think some of us, we don't realize what's going on in our life and we're upset with God. And it's like, we're keeping God, we're surrendered to him verbally. Like we can sing this song but realistically, there's things that's going on in our life that we don't know how to process. And so we're actually frustrated with God that he's allowing these things to take place. And I just want you to know the emotions that you have, they don't scare God. I have to keep going. Um, and then he would talk about how, how I was made wonderfully and perfectly and knit together. And, and I think of God's omnipotence. Uh, and how powerful, he's all powerful, he's all powerful, and he has, means he's God supreme, and he has no limitations, and I, and I just think about, there's no one that has the power of God like God, and as much as I know that, sometimes it may upset me in situations in my life where I feel like, God, if you have all this power, then why are you doing this? And I think David had a, a real good reason to say that, and maybe John the Baptist had a really good reason to say that, but think about it. What if David having to go through the trials to write that season, to write that song, gave Jesus the words to pray on the cross to relate to you and me. My God, my God, did you forsake me? What if in your season, the lack of God's deliverance in your life is really to deliver you? Okay, I have to go on. I just want you to know that God is love today. And I see it in Psalm 39, even before Jesus stepped on the scene and even before uh, the apostle John penned that God was love, how precious are your thoughts about me? And as your pastor, I, I, I want you to walk into seasons where you walk and before you walk into work, you look at a flower and go, thank you. Like when we slow down long enough to realize that there are moments and things that God is doing just for you to see, to remind you, of how much he loves you. It can't be something that we know that other people sing about that God is love. You've got to have moments in your life that you can declare that. And the reason why David was able to be able to say, how precious are your thoughts towards me? The reason why he wrote it is because he knows the deliverance of God. He really experienced fully leaned into a moment of hurt so that he can then experience a moment of joy. I think about it like this in my life. Um, I have to move faster for this because, um, man, this, we're about to get into the good stuff. But I think about my son. There are things in your life that hurt you. And the things that hurt you or scare you or you're afraid of, you don't want people to touch. You don't want God to touch. You don't want to go there. And sometimes we compartmentalize these things. But I want you to understand that, that, that your hurt is a process for healing. 
I think about it like this with my son. He broke his arm a couple years ago. And I remember we went to get x-rays to figure out how they were going to handle it. And they had to straighten his arm out in order to take the x-ray. And he was terrified. And I wanted him to understand, son, if you let us, we can help you. It's going to hurt for us to experience this. But the hurt is part of the healing. And if, and if you don't, then it will, it'll heal up and it'll never be whole. And so there are things in our life that we hide even from God and even from the church and even from our spouse and even from our kids and even from people that we're closest to because we don't want to feel that pain again. But if you don't feel the pain, you'll never feel the freedom and the reward of how precious are your thoughts towards me. Does that make sense? All right, cool. I have to keep going. I'm skipping some stuff. I'm skipping some good stuff. Hopefully I'll get to it next service. So David gets to the end of this, and this is the part of the deliverance. This is what makes this a a psalm of deliverance. And he he prays this prayer, which is one of the most fantastic prayers. And I love when God confirms his word to me because three people over the last two weeks gave me this verse. And I think it's for you today. So here we go. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way of everlasting. It's funny that a song about praise needed this deliverance phrase. Doesn't sound like a song of deliverance. Well, let me open it up for you, and I'll show you just how much deliverance is in it. This is good. Jesus. Woo! Some of you are about to learn a prayer today that's going to wreck your life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. I think most of us think that our hearts are are pure, and other people in our life have the wicked heart. It's other people that have these big issues, not me. But I wish that you could hear some of the things that you think about people that you come across. I wish that you can hear the way you looked at that person, that Jesus is trying to move into their life through you, And you put them so far out of your life because of the way you viewed them. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Hmm. I wish that Jesus, this week, I pray over you, saints, that God will give you the perspective of what's really going on inside you. All the hurt, all the scare, all the fear, all the insecurities, let them come out, man. Because when they come out, God can deal with it. We get in a society where we medicate problems. Hey, take some Tylenol. The problem will go away. No, it doesn't. You're just numbing the symptom. The issue is still there. Ask your spouse. (laughs) They'll tell you, you know. (laughs) Okay, I have to keep going. So, uh, So he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. My anxious thoughts. I want you to know that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What are the things that you worry about? What are the things that you lay about on your bed? Or when you're driving and you get some space and the kids aren't screaming and you get a little chance to think, what do you worry about? Is it, is it your finances? Is it your retirement? Is it the way people view you or how that conversation's going to go? Do you see the omnipotent, omnipresent, 
Um, sorry, my other one there. That, that the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, is he actually capable of delivering you in that situation? Or is God small? Are his thoughts actually present towards you? I think there are some things that are actually making us a little worried, but we don't know how to give the situation. We don't know how to let go and trust that God, his thoughts are precious towards me. And he does care about this thing that's going on. And he is big enough and powerful enough. And he can deliver me. He can protect me. He can help me. He can heal. Like, I want you to know, if he's this God that we're singing about, maybe he's big enough to do just what we say he can do. How precious are your thoughts towards me, oh God. Know my anxious thoughts. I want you to know that our hearts, listen to this, there's a really cool scripture that I found in Jeremiah 17, 9. I have to read to you before I move on. I forgot to read it. I was supposed to read it on the last part of the verse. The heart, the human heart is, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I want you to understand something about you. Um, your heart is wicked. You may not know it, but there are things in you that you hide from you. All right, so this is a theological, like, um, psychologist point of view here. We read it as some of our leaders read this book a couple months ago. It was really, really cool. And in this book, there was a passage in it that, that they were revealing, and it really got me right in the getter. And let me show you this picture here. Uh, this is a, a psychologist uh, would, 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 would try to talk about this. He says that there's four uh, views, that, four ways that you view yourself. There's one is the open self. It's information about you that both you and other people know. Where you work, what you do, what baseball team you like, this kind of thing. It's common sense stuff, right? And then underneath it, there's, there's the hidden self. There's information about you that you know about you, but others, they don't know about you, right? The things that we don't like people to find out. The things that I'm just going to hold this, how much money you make or what you're afraid of or who you have a crush on, right? Or what you'd like to say if you really had the courage to say it. The dreams that God's put in your heart. Does that make sense? And, and then there's the blind self. There's information about you that you don't know about you, but others know it about you. We know what's wrong with you. Pastor Tim, we know what's wrong with you, um, but you don't like to let that area come out. But if you did, it could do so much good if you would let us help you with you. This is where your spouse is hitting you right here. And then there's the unknown self, information about you that neither you nor others know about you, that only God knows about you. This is the dream that God has over your life. These are the hidden giftings inside of you. These are the fears. These are the things that happened to you when you were a child that we buried those emotions and we're still dealing with the aftermath of the hurt that we never dealt with before. And so I go back and I read this verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me. And I just wonder, God, if I got a glimpse of my heart, what would it sound like? Who am I really? 
when I'm not standing here. Because you guys only get to see the anointed, godly, powerful, you know, <laughs> oracle of God. But who is Tim? And who are you? There was this song that was written. I'm not going to sing it up to you this morning, <laughs> next week, you know. But it said, um, um, what was the frontline song about, about um, uh, what's deep in me? Only you know, come walk with me. Um, and uh, he would just sing this lyric over and over again, over and over again. Over, it was the whole song. What's deep in me, only you know, God, come walk with me. What's deep in me, only you know, God, come walk with me. And I, I, I think when God's doing open heart surgery on us, um, it hurts, but it's good. And there are some things in you that's got to come out. I have three questions that I found on accident on Thursday that I felt like I should read to you in regards to this psalm about deliverance. It's a song of praise about deliverance from a season in our life that was difficult. So how do we get from here to there? Well, we're real and honest with where we are here, and we allow God to process us. Three questions. I'm going to go through them real quick. Are you guys still with me? You say, Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. No, I'm just kidding. All right, cool. Here we go. Um, first one, what are people trying to tell me in my life? What are people trying to tell me in my life? Do you know what others see that you have a problem with? I'm not asking you to live for people. We don't live for the praise of man, but there are things in you that God is trying to refine that if you're not careful, he's having to use other people because you're not listening to him. You got some rough edges, you know, you're a little short sometimes, a little snippy, you know, or a little lazy or a little dreamy or a little, uh, I don't know, not adventurous. What are people trying to tell you about you? The second thing is this, what have I rationalized lately? What have I said? Nah, that's not a big deal. Because as I'm reading this, see if there's anything offensive in me. This is what brings out the deliverance. When I get real about who I don't know I am, God, is there anything inside me that's offensive to you? When I got married to Teresa, there was like this thing I didn't know about marriage. I didn't know that... Um, I, I thought that I only had to love her the way I chose to love her. And what I didn't know in a relationship is that you actually have to love people the way they want to be loved. And so there are things that I really enjoy that really bothered her, you know, like when I would fart or just weird, you know, just weird things. And it would bother her and it would grieve or be, you know, just difficult for her to be around because this is who I am. And, and it, would, it would grieve her and offend her. And I could be dismissive, but it will bother the relationship. What is it in my life that I've rationalized, God? That I've been dismissive as if this shouldn't bother you, it's not a big deal. You're in a relationship with a holy God. Don't be dismissive about anything that he says this is a problem with. If he put his finger on it, I don't care if he says, like, I want you to not wake up at 6.05, I want you to wake up at 6. Then that's what we're going to work on in our life. Those five minutes, if they're important to you, God... I got to figure out how to make them important to me. I have to keep going. Um, Rachel, would you come? Uh, where are you the most offended? Oh, man, that's a good one. You want to know what you're hiding from you? The thing that anything, it comes up. You put your toes further underneath your seat. You don't want to talk about that, you know? Like if finances come up, you know, 
What? What is it? What, what is it that offends you the most? Maybe God's trying to heal you in that area. Maybe it's a political view and it really bothers you, but should it? Maybe it should. Maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. If something offends you so much, dig into it and ask God, what, what are you doing with this area in my life? Does that make sense? Here's what I need you to know. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16 says this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Can you hear this just for a second? Here's a trick I want you to understand. I- I've gotten good in my life at being able to expose a lot of broken areas in my life. I don't know why. I guess I just look at it like this. If, if God already knows, what, what, what damage can you possibly do, you know? So um, I just don't want to hide anything. So what I've learned is I confess my sins to God to find forgiveness, but I confess my sins to people to find healing. Because you're designed to pray for me in my areas of brokenness. So David had these issues in massive confusing seasons in his life where he didn't know where God was or why he abandoned him or why his finances looked like this or why his health was like this or why these things were going on. But he wrote a song about it. And he wanted, to tra- he wanted other people to know, hey guys, I have these fears and these thoughts and, I, and he let them out in such a way that now he's able to really, from his soul, recognize how wonderful are your thoughts towards me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay in that season anymore in my life. I want to know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I'm beautiful in his sight, that I'm anointed and I'm called of God to do exceedingly great things far beyond anything I could ask or imagine. I want to know that I'm living in a moment in my life that's significant, that God's like, there are things in our life we've got to put behind us so we can walk into like healthy, vibrant, wholesome emotions process the pain so you can have the deliverance and the freedom but there is a process does this make sense and i want you to know that sometimes we can lie to ourselves and say it doesn't hurt but it hurts it may be hurting your church one of the things that bothers me is how many people that are gifted and talented that's come to church every week and are not involved do you know how great we could be if we all built this thing together i need your gifts i need you to not be afraid to walk in or step into what god's called you to do because we're a body can't do it without you